You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. So. And welcome to the Alouettes Flight Tech Podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I'm your host, Tim Capper, along with Cliffy D, the missing one, until I find out on the scoreboard that he's moved to another section so he can't sit with us because he's too big for us and he has to have, you know, has to appease his ego. Cliffy D. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's about I time I get recognized. your name twice. <laughs> it's about time I get recognized for my. My, my my glory, if you will. If you're uh, if you're paying attention at home, yeah, I decided to go big time for one game at least, and uh, got that sweet sweet upgrade. And uh, oh, let me tell you, I got a front row seat to pure carnage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to say you're able to to switch seats because we're sitting there and talking to my friend Chris, and like. The hell is Cliff? Because don't see any tweets, didn't receive any text messages from you. Then we see you on the board. I'm thinking, oh, Mister Snob, riding, <laughs> off the, riding off the coattails of somebody else. Hmm. And Mister Mister Fifty Jersey sitting off. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Salty Tim is back. So, I know. Yeah, from from Twitter, from Twitter to the pod. What can I say? Now, okay. Yes. We all know what happened. Yes, we have to talk about it. Yes, we know you've come to listen. Come here to listen to us talk about it. And possibly hoping that we're going to drop a few during the podcast. So, I felt, you know what, Cliff? What better way to start the show with a clear conscience clear mind and a clean mouth yes is yes. to just let it go from the very beginning and get it out of the way and then take everything as it as it can just take everything from there so all right that, let's let's with, do this without I agree. further ado ladies and gentlemen i present to you the swearing of all swearing in the history of the pod in three, two, one. Don't you feel good? Don't you feel better now? And it didn't cost us a thing. It did not. I, I, I got to admit, my, my soul is feeling very cleansed right about now. So that was, <laughs> that was good. Get it all of the system. And all right, let's, let's break it down. Let's okay. break it down. Yeah, because, man, it's gone from one extreme to the next. Oh, man. I, you it's know all- what? To be honest with you, dude, and... Because, you know, my friend was talking to me, and it's like, he kept on going, Tim, are you okay? And I'm like, I, you know, I really have nothing to say. I have no emotion. You know, if, if you go, 
you know, his first pass in the Johnny Manziel era gets picked. And then from there, it goes to a 28 nothing lead after one quarter, which, by the way, is the largest ever deficit lead in CFL history from that point. You knew the night was over. Yeah, I couldn't help but note that 28 nothing. that would be a bad game altogether. And then I looked at the scoreboard and I'm like, oh, my God, we've got another three quarters to go. This, yeah. this is going to get ugly. Yes, Yes, yeah, it is. So, yeah, I I mean, I would love to just take it and stop the game right there. I mean, it's it's just so frustrating. We'll get it. We'll get over his so-called stats and 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 what else has happened post game and and everything. I mean, there were some positives to the game, I guess. I mean, not necessarily for the Alouettes, but for the CFL in general and and stuff like that. Um, You know, God, Cliff. I mean the. The team gives up 50 points again. You know, they gave up 50 points for the second time this year. And it's also, by the way, the second time at home. The rate we're going, that they're going to they're gonna break their record of uh, the most, you know, point, 50, giving up 50, uh, 50 points in a season, which is three times. I, 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 dude, it's... What what type of pods did you did you take from this? Because obviously the Manziel start, and by the way, very interesting stat, which which I'll mention in a moment. But the Manziel started. Uh, is there anything positive that you can take out of this? I think the big thing we we have to realize when it comes to Johnny Manziel is we always seem to see flashes of brilliance from the guy, whether it was at Texas A and M with the Cleveland Browns and his very <clears throat> very brief time with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You did see flashes of brilliance, but now I'm just wondering, is that all you're going to see is flashes of brilliance? Are we going to actually see from start to finish a complete game, where, a complete mastery of the game where you can say, oh my gosh, this guy can put the game on his back and lead us to the promised land? And it's still too early to tell because I'm sorry. And this is where the Alouettes organization, both on the field and off, really, really effed up because... There is so much pressure to get Manziel out on the field, whether it be from the media, from TSN, uh, even the, the the fans that were at the last game buying Manziel jerseys. And uh, the minute you talk about the fact that Johnny Manziel is going to be a part of this, everybody wants to see him. There's that that car crash mentality of I've got to see this guy because uh, he was famous for any number of reasons. Uh Problem is, though, you're trying to win football games, and you can't win a football game if your quarterback has only had a handful of practices and doesn't know the playbook, and he doesn't have any connection with his receivers or anything. And that's the frustrating part more than anything else. Yes. I mean, yes, there were some, some, there were some flashes of brilliance. I will, I will give it that. I mean, the guys, you know, that he was passing to, they, they you know, the guys got targets. Um, it's... As I said, we came close in some things, but then, you know, we, we get down to the, we had that long drive and a pick, you know, it's like, throw it away. I mean, I, I know you're not, you know, it's funny, Cliff. We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago when we first heard about the Manziel thing and the trade. He he really, we talked about with, uh, with uh, um, uh, Marshall Ferguson. We talked about it's, he, he just showed up in short field situations in preseason and it makes me wonder you know 
do we should he just be doing that for the time being because they had a perfectly good even if they gone back and forth with with vernon adams because the week prior he showed that he did have the stuff boat yeah and if they, can you think about this clip you have two quarterbacks that can run and create different opportunities and create plays can you think of what type of game that could have been if both if they had given both quarterbacks the chance oh there's no question i think honestly like just the way that you're absolutely right both manzel and at vernon adams play a very similar style in the sense that they can get out of the pocket they can scramble they can make plays happen on their feet and that would definitely help alleviate a lot of the problem with the offensive line which quite frankly has been a dog's breakfast all season long and whether or not it's going to get better it's 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 hard to tell honestly like whether whether it's because of injuries or you got rookies that are maybe not quite ready yet that are in the lineup i mean any number of reasons this offensive line has just not really helped out the quarterback regardless yeah. of who the quarterback is yeah but you're absolutely right with if Vernon adams got the start like he as far as, far as i'm concerned he should have i agree which we'll get into which we'll get into in a minute too yeah if you if you started him in the game to at least set the tone and then once you know once you knew what was going on then let Manziel in. Let him get a couple plays in just to get his feet wet. And again, everybody works out happy because hey, Johnny Manziel is in the game. Let's, you know, all everybody who's there buying his jersey and all that stuff is excited because hey, we finally get to see Johnny football in action. And then you're right, you just keep rotating back and forth, keep the Hamilton Tiger Cats on their feet, kind of keep them guessing what's going to happen next. Uh, and yeah, I, I definitely think that would have definitely changed the tone of the game and definitely would have could have made a huge difference. I mean, you sure, especially too. 28 nothing. This is going to stick in my head for a long time. 28 yeah. to nothing. Yeah. And I got to tell you, like, can you blame Johnny Manziel 100% for that? No. It's hard to believe, but no, you cannot. No, you can't. No, on, on you know, one was a, a block punt. What the hell, man? I, 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 I saw that. The, could it ever, the, get, you know, start getting any worse? And then it was like, come on. <laughs> and see, like, I saw the blown assignment. At, once I uh, once I got home and watch, rewatched the the highlights, I saw the blown assignment. I'm like, oh no! Like just got uh, the defender Curtis News- Newton had a, had uh, bed a dead to rights, and yeah, you you cannot you cannot afford mistakes like that, especially when you're down by so much. Like just run right off the hop, and your your quarterback is just reeling reeling from this onslaught. Yeah, and just as a quick aside, I know that. TSN was trying to build the drama, if you will, of Johnny Manziel playing his former team. But just strategically, don't you think that's the team that would know him best? Because that's the only other team he ever played for? Yeah. In th- it, it, in theory, why would you put someone out there who is in- inexperienced against the team that the only team that really, truly knows him? Like, I, 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 I don't get the logic in that. Who was the broadcast crew, by the way, for TSN? <sighs> Rod Black I, and I had, <laughs> Yeah, I had a sneaking suspicion. So if anybody of you who happen to have, who like drinking games, I'm oh sure my. that game was it. Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my God! Like the, the when you you got Rod Black in there and Glenn Suter, and if you didn't watch the oh, game Glenn, on mute, oh, well, that's oh, on oh, you. At least, at least Glenn was in there. Okay, at least Glenn was in there. So hopefully he he reeled him in a little bit. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> Trust me, there. Even if God forbid I couldn't have made this game for whatever reason, I had to watch on TV. Either I'm watching on a mute or watching it on RDS because there is no way in in hell I could stomach the idea of listening to Rod Black and Glenn Suter just tongue wash Johnny 
football's cleats. I, that's just not happening. That's no, no, hard no, hard no. <laughs> All right. And you can replace and you can replace cleats with any other word that you think of. I'm just trying to be polite. Uh, well, I thought you, the way you used to tongue wash. I would have said, you know, I literally would have said, lick his boots. I don't care. You know, lick it. Uh, anyways, let's here. Here, here's the, here's the. Uh, Here's the train wreck here. Johnny Menzel was 11 of 20, 104 yards, four interceptions. And by the way, those are all in the first half. And that was one off the league record for a first, uh, for a debut start in the CFL. Uh, it was three off from the, uh, from the league record, um, which I think is held by an Alouette, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, um, Matt Dunnigan threw seven picks in a game once. I, I, think, there are, I think there's a few. I think there's a few that threw seven. Yeah. But anyways, um, you know, Johnny did nothing with his feet at all. Um, the leading rusher, f- f- you know, was Tyrell Sutton. He actually got did get nine carries, averaged six point eight, which is amazing. Uh, and then William Stanback late in the game. I mean, him fifty five yards on four uh, four carries. So you know, and then receiving wise, um, it, it most of it was to Eugene Lewis. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm just looking at it here. Terrell Sutton, I know he had, that's where one of the picks came from. Uh, BJ oh. only had nine yards, BJ Cunningham. Uh, yeah. And when you have two guys on the Ticats roster, you know, Jalen Saunders and Brandon Banks, they each had over 100 each. Saunders had 150. Banks had 114. Uh, and, you know, uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli had, you know, 300 yards, 27 of 26. Sorry, 17 to 26, 300 yards, uh, two interceptions, two TDs. And that one, one of the interceptions was totally wasted in the end. Completely huh. wasted in the end. Actually, both of them were. So, yeah. So, and by the way, so we're talking about stats, Cliff. And I thought, and this is a, a great stat that TSN, uh, was it TSN, uh, the Sports Center, Sports Center that actually put out. And I was like, okay, it, it kind of makes sense. And let's, let's hope that it can actually change from it. So Menzel's first three career starts at Texas A&M, the Cleveland Browns, and the Alouettes of his two pro debuts with Cleveland. And it's, you know, this is going to seem so familiar, Cliff. With Cleveland, he was 10 of 18, 80 yards, and two interceptions in a 30 to nothing loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. And we saw what he, what he, what he was for, for the Alouettes in a 50 to 11 loss. Seemed familiar. By the way, he did he did lose his he did lose his, his very first game as a as a uh, as a starter for Texas A and M. So so there's that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, he, if nothing else, Johnny Menzel is consistent yeah, in that regards. That, that's not very. Yeah, I know, but that's that's not very good, man. That's yeah, it doesn't. It, it, it as an Alouettes fan, it doesn't put your mind at ease knowing that hey, at least he's consistent in that regards. But. Yeah. So with the loss, the Owls fall to one, still one win on the season, still 0 for at home. They've extended their home loss, uh, a home, their home losing streak and franchise streak to nine, I think it's nine in a row now, which they're now fourth overall in league history for the fourth worst losing record at a uh, losing streak at home. The Owls got to stop at these negative streaks, by the way. It, wrong way to get your name into the into the into the uh, uh, CFL fact and record book. Um, also not exactly the best way to uh, further the reputation that you're a professional football franchise because, yes, they definitely are a professional football franchise, but I can understand 
why pretty much everybody and their mother on Twitter loves dragging the Alouettes through the mud because there's nothing that would suggest that this is a professional football team. And when you, ha- you hear these idiots talk about, oh, I bet uh, University of Laval could beat the Alouettes at this point or Western could beat the Alouettes at this point. And- actually, it was you. Actually, it was used this week on the guys over the CFL, uh, the, the two and out CFL pod that they said that, the, that you, you should just, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the Laval Rougier could probably beat them. Well, there you go. I mean, I'm sorry, but as much respect as I have for those guys, but I mean, you're not you're talking about professional football players versus college athletes, and it's not even the same comparison. I, but again, these comparisons are going to be made, and these jokes are going to be made because, well, quite frankly, what have the Elwes done to sort of, you know, change that thought process? Right, and there are a few things that we have to talk about, and we'll talk about a few more things. Um, and a lot of people were very critical of this a uh, great interview today by nick lewis on tsn 690 if you haven't listened to it you have to uh it's a must listen but and a lot of people from arash madani to others uh, who know the cfl uh, and this is a question that i want to pose to you cliff is and we were just touching on it before should manzel have started on such short notice well, we discussed this last week. I, I'm of the opinion that, no, he should not have started. The only yeah. reason why he started was because there was so much pressure from the Alouettes organization and from outside. I truly, truly believe – I have no concrete proof of this. No. As I stated in the alternative, I have no proof of this whatsoever. But I can't help but feel that TSN, in order to attract more viewers and to get more people interested in – not just this game, but the the CFL in general, especially down in the States, I think they put a lot of pressure on the Alouettes organization to put Manziel in the game just so that you can have that that superstar quality, that you can have that uh, that flashy name that everybody's uh, that's on everybody's lips. He got it. And I said, we'll talk about that also, too, in a couple of there, there are, I said there are a lot of positives that came out, but just wasn't for the Alouettes where, where, where this positivity came from. Um, I, I'm, I'm, firm, I'm a firm believer that Vernon Adams did more than enough to prove that he belongs as a starter. And again, if, if Vernon Adams had started last Friday, and whether the Elwets were, if they were able to maintain any sort of momentum, maybe at that point, then you introduce Johnny Manziel to uh, get a little bit of playing time. And just, this it accomplishes two things. One, you get him the reps that he needs. Two, everybody's happy because they finally get to see Johnny football on the field. And three, you have better control of your game itself, whereas Manziel did not have control from the get-go. I mean, again, I can't be overstated. His first CFL pass picked off. And And it wasn't close. It It was as if the Ticats defender was an Alouette's Alouette's receiver. Right. And does that come down to not being prepared? Does it come down to not knowing the playbook? There's no question as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm sure a lot of it also has to do with the fact that, oh, yeah, Johnny Manziel used to be on the Tiger Cats. He faced a lot of these guys as a scout team quarterback. So they know this guy pretty well. Yeah. I, I, I just, like I said, logistically, it doesn't make sense to start Manziel against the Tiger Cats because they know the guy. See, this is you, you throw. I said, we just talked about it earlier before. Throw them for a loop. Throw Adams in as a surprise. Who You know, uh, uh, Manz, uh, Manziel bandwagoners be damned. And I, I'm sure you and I both have a lot to talk about th- them, too, coming up. But be damned. Do something that you don't expect. Sure, the game's going to be on ESPN, uh, ESPN2, you know, uh, in the U.S. Uh, sure, so, you know, yes, people are going to be... But throw it for a loop. Do something that you don't expect. 
You know, I mean, it's uh, this, unfortunately for Coach Sherman, you know, this isn't the NFL. You have the ability to do this, that you have two quarterbacks who can create, you know, create plays. And maybe they should have. Maybe they should have. And I, I, I agree. Manziel should not have started. Should not have started. Go ahead and say he's going to play. You know, I but, I understand but, he messes up stats for everybody. You know, you know, our friend Steve Daniel over in the stats office, you know, he would have, he wouldn't. I'm sure he would have figured something out to put on the on, on the stats. But no, it's, it's, do something unexpected. You know, I'm sorry. Be a Chris Jones. Keep everything under wraps. Sometimes you have to. It's a good old cone of silence. Yeah, do something or 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 a cone or. You know, the, to, to just throw sh- throw it elsewhere. You know, oh no. And again, I think part of, part of the reason why they didn't do that was specifically because of that first game against Edmonton, where Vernon Adams did get the start, and the team had promised that Johnny Manziel was going to make his debut. Now, by the letter of the law, he did. He was in the lineup. He was dressed. So technically, if you wanted to see Johnny Manziel in a, a Montreal Alouettes uniform, you got it. But that's you gave fans the impression that he was going to play, and that's why you got those "We want Johnny" chants and everybody getting upset and all that stuff. Like, and it would have been a, a repeat performance of that this past Friday had they said, "You know what? No, we're not. Manziel's not ready. I don't care if it's his former team. I don't care if everybody and their mother is going to watch this game on ESPN too. I'm starting Vernon Adams, and that's all there is to it." You would have still gotten the "We want Johnny" chants and everything like that. And you know what? Too bad. Uh, yeah, sometimes the, the name of the game is the winning audible. football games. Yeah, you're the head coach. Call the audible. Yeah, do, I mean, the, if, un- do the unexpected. Yeah, I mean, if Vernon went out there and stunk out the joint just like Johnny did in that first half, you know what? It's the same result either way. So why not at least put together some sort of winning strategy with a quarterback that actually knows the offense and actually did not look terrible, all things considered. Instead, you're, you're throwing a guy out there like four or five practices in him and He's done like what was what shake and bake like fifteen minutes in the oven and you're finished. Time to eat? <laughs> Hell no! It doesn't work that way. You, you you do that in the NFL, you're gonna get roasted. And clearly now do that in the CFL, you get roasted. Yeah. It, it I'm sorry, it it just is not a sound strategy. And you're not only are you putting yourselves behind the eight ball, you're further delaying the development of Johnny Manziel, who by the way, this team just gave up a king's ransom for. And boy, does that deal look terrible right now eric tillman's got to be having himself a field day laughing his ass off Con- as- considering that if the alouettes do end up last how, hey do, hey how about our first round draft pick oh we don't have one well this year thankfully this year's or next year i should say is it has nothing to do with that situation right, but you think yeah two years down the road i mean if manzel is gone from the cfl in 2019 whether it's because he gets his act together and becomes a phenomenal quarterback or because he's just that bad and ends up leaving by the way, no matter what, no, there's no guarantee. There's no takes. There's no takebacks. Camelton does have Montreal's first round draft pick in 2020 and 2021. I know, I know. And that those, if things stay the way they are, those could very well be first overall picks. I know. I'm telling you, Eric Tillman, if he if he felt he got swindled on draft day dealing with the Alouettes. I, I think he's feeling a lot better now. I think he's feeling worlds better. Just, yeah. just if you were to go strictly by this past, uh, this past Friday's game, I think he's feeling a lot better about his situation. Oh yeah, I, I think so. Uh, 
lot more to, to complain about and to talk about. But don't forget that we are on social media. We're on multiple places. You know where to find us, but we just want to remind those who, who don't know happen, don't know where to find us. Uh, you can find us over at I think find too many times. You can. <laughs> it's a, it's an episode already, and we're only thirty minutes in. Um, you can find us over on Twitter. That's at Alouette's FL Deck. You can find us over on Facebook. That is over at Alouette's Flight Deck. Also, if you want to see all of our recent shows that, that we have taped, most uh, the best way to do that is to go over to, uh, to deck.ca. You can head over to Podbean also. You can also head over to Google Play Music, head over to iTunes, head over to Stitcher, and I'm forgetting it again. What's the other one? Spotify. Spotify. Ding! <laughs> I got it out. Phew. Okay. A lot happened post-game. Now, first thing, I, and I really have a rant, by the way, and I'm, I want to see what your thoughts are about this. The bandwagoners. They uh-huh. came out, and it's like the Alouettes sold their soul. I'm sorry, that's how I feel about it. They sold, I- their, they sold their soul for a grand total of just over an extra 2,000 people. Woohoo! Yep, two thousand people. Uh, however many jerseys were sold, and I'm sure there was a lot of jerseys sold. And what kind of was a little jarring to see? Someone actually got the the alternative jersey, the uh, the four twenty five with really? Manziel two on it. Oh yeah, my my hand to God, I saw one of those, and I was getting used to seeing the Manziel jerseys, the the home jerseys. But then I saw that one. I'm like, oh man, like that really is going to happen later this year. Yeah, yeah, that is I, happening for real. And, I, and I, you know, and from what I'm understanding, and, and I remember there was a huge cheer when they announced him for the first time. And I'm thinking, you guys are all a bunch of freaking sheep. You are. I mean, yeah. it's a team. One player does not make a team. The entire roster makes a team. You win, I, no matter how how somebody plays. And players that we have spoken to. Well, I'm sure will agree with me. You win as a team, you lose as a team. But unfortunately, in this circumstance, this is where somebody got hap- happened to get, you know, all are getting basically all the attention from TSN, ESPN, because they they ran Sports Center in the U.S. ran with the debacle that was this game for Johnny Manziel. Like the first nine minutes of Sports Center in the U.S. after the game ran with it. But man, Cliff. I, I spoke to a lot of people that I know within the stadium and just saying that these Manzel bandwagoners were just annoying. Annoying. Mm-hmm. I mean, where's this passion with the t- with this team? How many, and I said this right before on Twitter before, if Manzel does bad, how many are going to show up next time? How many people are willing to show up considering the, the, uh, the pile that the, that the team dropped this past weekend, uh, this mm-hmm. past week? Well, that's it. I mean, sooner or later, the the novelty is going to wear off of Johnny Manziel. If you're going strictly just to see him play, it's it's going to wear off very fast. I mean, the, I, at the end of the day, if you're going to put this guy out there on the field, he better win football games. And I know a lot of people are believing he will fo- win football games given the right circumstances. And maybe he will, but you're you're right. I mean, Montreal, the, the Alouettes organization, I'm sorry to say, they sold their soul. Mm-hmm. And all again, just for... A few extra shekels in the in the bank account, and hey, listen, I, I know this team is a business. the The name of the game is making money, and quite frankly, I feel there's a lot of times where they just don't care what fa- fans think, 
all they want is their money. And the kind of fans that have been coming to games in recent weeks have been anything but traditional football fans. And yes, I understand you've got to start somewhere when it comes to rebuilding your fan base. But uh, again, when people are more interested in making a cute Instagram story and taking a whole bunch of selfies at the game, especially now that you've got your sick Manziel jersey, I mean, yeah, the the football game itself seems secondary. So yeah. I, I understand that the organization, I think they deep down they realize this, that they can't really compete on the field. So why don't we just try to make a really awesome environment during the game itself but for for football fans itself it's kind of aggravating to watch people stand up and cheer and do all this stuff at all the wrong times and i understand you got to be educated you got to learn how to act at a football game and and why it's so important why you have to make noise on defense why you have to do this and so on and so forth the, but these people these people know football these people know football it's just you should support they, you should support your team no matter what no matter who's the quarterback you know i mean uh, it, it just—I said. Uh, you, you, I think you, we're both right. You know, I, I said it. It's, it's clowns in a car. <laughs> Hashtag clowns in a car. Yeah. So now. And I always say, if you, you invite enough clowns, you will get a circus. Yes. And sure enough, that's what last Friday was. Was by oh, and large for a circus, sure. and not just just not 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 just because of gameplay and and how the game ended. It was overall, it was a total circus, and not in a good way. No. And that was, I mean, now. Question I have to ask, because by the way, some, there, there were some uh, some amazing and interesting quotes that came across social media um, from former Alouette uh, assistant GMs, etc. I don't know if you saw that one. Uh, yes, uh, uh, but yeah, and what, which I want to talk about too. But I have to ask you, dude. And this question was asked, I'm sure, on many of the podcasts that talk CFO-related football and shows too. As much as we, we may like Cavis Reed, as much as we may like Coach Sherman, how much leeway will Andrew Wettenall be giving these two gentlemen? Now, stability-wise, and I've heard some things. You really can't. You shouldn't get rid of a GM in the middle of the season. I agree with you. I agree with that. You also shouldn't get rid of a head coach middle of the season because it can't. Well, no, well, not as, uh, you know, it's not the best of things. Usually, you want to do it in a bye week, which the Alouettes do have one coming up. I think in three weeks. You know, does the uh, do the Alouettes stay status quo for the rest of the season? I hate to say it, but they have to. I mean, you're absolutely right. This has been a, a trend, a, a far too common trend over the past couple of years. Is midway through the season, you get rid of the head coach and replace him with typically the general manager. That's what happened last year. It happened. Uh, Two years previous, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a trend that simply has to stop. I mean, what? It, it's just not a recipe for success. I'm sorry to say. It's is this frustrating going through this constant losing? There's no question. There's, there's no question. It's just it sucks. But constantly making changes doesn't work either. I mean, whether does Coach Sherman still have the room or not? Uh, in talking to some of the players last week, by and large, he still does. But uh, I understand the need and the want to shake things up, but I mean, I think at this point now, it, it, as much as it hurts to say, I mean, the, one can make the argument that perhaps Andrew Wettenhall shouldn't have put these people in charge in the first place. As much as we do like Cavis Reed and Mike Sherman, uh, yeah, maybe these are not the right people to be building this re- rebuilding. Yeah. I should say this franchise. And how, how much longer? How much longer is it going to take? Because. 
let's face it, at the end of the day, you can crap all over Cavus Reed and blame him for everything bad that goes on in your life all you want. I get that. I understand that frustration. Or if you're an outsider and not a fan of the Alouettes, I understand how you can take joy in seeing something like that. But And, it, and if, if Cavus's hands are tied, there's nothing he can do about it. He's, he's just trying to make changes and try, try to, you know, try to bring some some get some positivity and, and some wins to this team. So, but, but as I said, we, we don't know. We just don't know. But one of the things that I found that was very interesting, by the way, and we're talking about GMs and 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 and, and uh, the you know the head office for the for the Owls, is a comment on Twitter. I don't remember who reported it, but it was a question that was asked of former uh, was it, was assistant GM Joey Abrams, mm-hmm. saying, you know, what was his thoughts and. You know, he meant he did not hold anything back. He goes, I could fix it, but I will not work for Andrew Wettenall. That's very telling and interesting. Now, does it sour grapes? I don't know. But still, that that's one hell of a response. I agree. And it was very refreshing in his honesty. And you're right. Like Joey has... Uh, you know, uh, maybe he just doesn't care. Maybe he he realizes he will never work for the Alouettes again, and has that freedom to be able to say something like that. And I applaud him for it. I applaud him for being honest and telling it for how it is. And I think that speaks to a whole lot of things because let's face it, when the Alouettes were going through this period of who was going to be the next general manager after Jim Pop, a lot of names were thrown out there, but the one name that ended up winning out was Cavis Reed. And I can't help but wonder why. Because we had Brock Sunderland, who was yeah. a candidate. Yeah. And look at the work he's done with the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah. Are you telling me that the Alouettes wouldn't be thriving if Brock Sunderland wasn't the, was the G, GM of the, the Alouettes right now? Yeah, I guarantee you they would be with the amount of talent that's there. And with his football connections, he'd be at, like, I would have loved to have seen a lot of the moves that he would make, maybe he would okay. Maybe it would have been adding a whole bunch of former Red Blacks because that's what he still, knew at the present yeah, moment. But still, you know, think about what what it would have been like if if we kept Marcel Desjardins. That as well, because uh, again, he was also a very solid hand working alongside of Jim Pop. Or if God forbid, we turned to Jim and say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe you really just needed some time away to really, you know, clear your head and." refocus yourself oh and by the way you're allowed to hire whoever you want as your head coach you can't do double duty but you you have to be the head you have to be the general manager not the head coach and i think a lot of these things the, the one common denominator is andrew wettenhall let a lot of these people just you know go like just let them walk out the door or didn't didn't bring them back in any sort of way i mean Imagine if Joey Abrams was installed as a general manager, if only for the simple reason that he knows this team inside and out and was able to help stay the course. And if you really thought that Cavus Reed could be the guy one day, why not make Cavus the assistant general manager? Let him learn how to be a general manager because he went from being special teams coach to general manager. That's quite the quantum leap when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Would it really have been so bad to have Joey Abrams as the general manager, Cavus as assistant general manager? And build this team back up, or at least keep things from completely falling apart the way they have. To me, it just would have made a hell of a lot more sense. Like, if you really think that Kevin Reed was general manager material, but just needed a little more time this evening, why not go that route as opposed to just throwing him the keys to the car and say, "Here, don't crash it." You know. Yeah, and by the way, it was, Ma- it was Matthew Ross for TSN 690 who reported it on Twitter. Uh, 
very you know cavis is for what is it big uh what was it who who said this one it was um david arsenault with rds uh Cavis is four and twenty-one as as GM with this team. Four and twenty-one, well, and that's it. Numbers don't lie. I, I mean, he's done. Uh, Cavis has done a, a very solid job drafting some decent players that I truly believe are going to be stars in the next two three years. But it's the current situation that we're in right now. That's, I mean, again, numbers don't lie. I mean, the Yellowwoods cannot put points on the board. No, uh, I'm starting to have doubts now about this whole coaching staff in general. I mean, you brought in Kahari Jones, and he was supposed to be the, you know, everybody was talking about what a wonderful playbook he's written, and it's going to be awesome, and blah, blah, blah. And you're dead last in points scored. And we have given up, uh, like, a stupid amount of points at home. We're averaging, I think, the the opponents are averaging, like, 43, almost 44 points a game versus the Owls. I I mean, if if Rich Stuberl is this defensive genius, so... We're not seeing any of it right now. I no. mean, it can't it can't all be on the players. I mean, there's a lot of players are making a lot of mistakes, but that's a reflection on the coach. Yeah. So, okay. and as someone pointed, as someone pointed, else pointed out, I wonder if the Alouettes missed Noel Thorpe yet. Yeah, that's true. It's true. What, uh, was Thorpe difficult to work with? Probably, but you know what? Sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes, like, and look what he's done with Ottawa, who, by the way, first place in the East. I mean, again, that's not nothing really to crow about nowadays. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he's still the defensive coordinator of a first place team in the Canadian Football League. That's right. You cannot deny that. And right. I, I tell you right now, like I do see a big change in the attitude defensively for the Red Blacks, and I, I would give full credit to Noel Thorpe. I think again, <sighs> difficult to work with, probably. But you know what, guy, guy's a winner. Guy, guy brings it every single game, and he knows what it takes to win football games defensively. And you, 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 you threw him out the door, essentially. You yeah. didn't let him walk out the door. You threw him out the door. Yeah. Um, some positive stuff, I guess we could say, for the CFL uh, and for TSN and for ESPN is that the Manziel debut, Cliff, on Friday drew 406,000 viewers to ESPN2. Uh, before that, the top CFL game on the Deuce this season was 240, excuse me, 264,000. Obviously, there are two more games on ESPN2 scheduled. Um, what is also interesting, too, is that is actually, and I was actually floored by this, is that is actually the highest game audience for a CFL game ever on the ESPN networks. The previous high was 300, uh, 347,000 viewers for the Rough Riders and Eskimos on June 29th, 2013. So it does show that people know the Menzel name and they want to see what he can do. Makes me wonder if that's going to tail off. Now, obviously, that's a positive for the league, too. They get more eyes on the league and, and can show, because a lot of players were, were speaking it about this, too. It does show that you just cannot be an NFL quarterback, a former NFL quarterback, come up to the CFL and think that you're going to win right away. It does show that the that our guys can ball. We know how to play. Mm-hmm. You know this this isn't the CFL is not a minor league. Nope, no question about it. And I think a lot of people sort of realize that after the fact. They realize, okay, they thought Johnny Manziel was going to come in and shred the whoever he was playing, and instead he got his butt handed to him. I wonder if Johnny spoke to Vince Farragamo before he played. <laughs> or Billy White Shoes Johnson. Billy White Shoes Johnson. If you don't know who we're talking about, look them up. Then you'll understand. Yeah. Uh, At the end of the day, though, you're absolutely right. Uh, 
there is a lot of talent. I think a lot of even people down in the south too who may have poo pooed on the league before, yeah. probably sit up and take notes like, wow, these guys actually play pretty good. I mean, if you, this is what you can do to Johnny Football. Holy cow, this must be a something interesting. So maybe that's piqued a lot of people's interest now as far as maybe paying a little bit more attention to the Canadian Football League. Which, at the end of the day, that's what the the league itself wants is they want more eyes on the product and. I think, again, this is why I truly believe that the league had a hand in kind of forcing the Alouettes to start Johnny Manziel just to get those extra eyeballs on on the screens. And, I mean, I guess maybe the fact that Montreal is going to end up getting blown out was just collateral damage, you know, just the cost of doing business, if you will. Yeah, what cost, though? Because, as, as we know, that could be that could be a long-term a long-term injury and putting us more, you know, keeping us on that six-game injured list for, for a lot longer than six games. <clears throat> So, um, yeah, now, unfortunately, as I said, man, it just went from bad to worse for, these, for, for our poor Alouettes. Um, you know, we, we find out today that, oh, you know, all of a sudden, Cliff, we find out, was it two days ago, that all of a sudden the, the, the Owls signed Antonio Pipkin again. And we're like, mm-hmm. WTF, what is going on? Because we, we had no clue. And then we find out today. And it is not very good, is it? No. No, it is not. Thanks to uh, yeah, I was being back at practice, uh, getting ready for the game this Saturday in Ottawa. Uh, yeah, we've. Uh, if we were not walking wounded before, it's gotten a lot worse now because we've got two major names that are now going to be on the six-game injured list. Uh, first one would be John Bowman, who suffered a bicep injury. Yeah. This past Friday against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, I remember him coming out of the game and. Yeah, I do too. Yeah clutching his uh, arm and it didn't look good uh again we 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 know bowman's a warrior 100 percent, and will ball out at any given moment but uh, also not a young man anymore and i can't help but wonder when you get start getting in, injuries like this i mean this is a severe injury for anybody regardless of age but as bowman stated this is likely going to be his last season with the alouettes and well with the cfl in general but I, I can't imagine him going out like this. I would sincerely hope not, but I mean, bicep injuries are definitely not something to fool with, especially as a defensive end. But hopefully, it's, I, I've been told it's just a partial tear, and hopefully that's all it is. And we certainly wish a speedy recovery to to John because a class act all the way. Uh, oh, for sure. And by the way, I had to explain this as reported by Matthew Shinetti on Twitter. Uh, he goes, more on John Bowman's torn bicep. Alouette's head coach Mike Sherman showed his players a video of Bowman playing after he learned that he had, a par- he had partially torn his bicep. Bowman fell trying to pursue Hamilton's QB. Bowman crawled to try and finish his tackle. Wow. Yeah, definitely, uh, my God, tougher than shoe leather, John Bowman. Oh, There's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- no, no one's ever doubted that. There's like You cannot question his heart. By any stretch. No, no, you can't. And then we got, what was the other bad news? Well, if, if that wasn't bad enough, who else goes down to injury? We found out after the fact, Vernon Adams Jr. The guy who came in last week and was the only spark of offense for for the Alouettes as he scored, uh, led a, a fantastic drive and ended up plunging in for a touchdown. Yep. That was the only only positive thing that I was able to tweet this week, to uh, retweet on, on Twitter that after the game was was his touchdown and uh, gorgeous two point after play. Oh, oh, oh! Yeah, the the sweet hands of B.J. Cunningham. Jeez, oh, yeah, beautiful. 
but yeah, unfortunately, uh, towards the end of the game, uh, Fernand suffered a foot injury, and it wasn't really made pu- well. Ma- people weren't made aware of it until today. Jeez, does this sound familiar? Yeah, I, I feel like we've been down this road before. Eerily <coughs> familiar. Yeah, eerily familiar with uh, with with Matthews. I mean, what the hell? Yep. So uh, uh, we were. I know you and I were sort of speculating. Why the hell did they bring Antonio Pipkin back? Yeah. And I had I. Two thoughts of this. I thought either the injury to Matthew Schultz, which was apparently just a one-game thing, maybe he was going to be six. I thought maybe he was going to be on the six-game list as a result, or Drew Willie is going to be showing the door because he's got a lot of quarterbacks now. So someone has to eventually. You know, it's like musical chairs, right? <laughs> Sooner or later, somebody's out, and I thought maybe once Willie's uh, hand injury healed, maybe then he'd be uh, given his release, but. No, it turns out it's because Vernon Adams is now going to be on the six-game list. Uh, they're saying the injury could be two to f- two to six weeks, but here's hoping it's only two because yeah, they say the I same get- thing for Jeff Matthews. Yeah, so that's it. We we are definitely walking wounded. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, injured wings on these birds. Now there are some positives. Yeah, I know you had the other transactions. There weren't many, but what were the other transactions that the Alouettes had since since the game on Friday? Well. Uh, Getting a little bit more help defensively. Uh, the Alouettes are bringing back uh, Greg Henderson, which is uh, great because uh, he had a great rookie rookie season. Uh, didn't have the best camp, which ultimately led to him being cut. But uh, I guess with a lot of the uh, injuries that have happened now uh, in the uh, secondary, it'll always it'll be good to have uh, someone like Henderson who knows the system, who knows the Alouettes. So bringing him back in the fold was uh, a great move, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, team also released uh, Demorne Pearson L, who uh, had a couple of uh, returns a few weeks ago. Yeah, but since then hasn't really seen the field. So I, I think the reason why that is is because William Standback oh, has yeah. been doing a very solid job very, in doing kick very. returns. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was actually one of the few high, uh, bright spots from this past week. Yeah, I mean he doesn't have the blistering speed that Stefan Logan did, but I mean he's he's a solid back. I mean he's built like Tyrell Sutton. And the few times he's gotten in as running back, he's he's done a solid job in trying to get downfield. So, I mean, to me, that's good. As much as we like uh, Stefan Logan and just the fact that he's so, so light on his feet that he can just, in theory, burst right through. Mm-hmm. It's always good to have someone that can, I always say this, lower the shoulder and just truck people over. And William Standback can definitely do that and has been doing that the past couple of weeks. So, as a result, uh, the morning personnel just uh, became the odd man out. So unfortunately he didn't get a chance to really show out the way he i'm sure he would have liked to also uh defensive back uh, greg Ducra also uh being shown the door uh he's got on the field a couple times but really hasn't stood out really hasn't really hasn't done a whole heck of a lot so unfortunate but again that's football you're only as good as your last game and when you're practically invisible that that's just that doesn't bode well for your football future so like the alouettes with the the opportunity to bring uh, henderson back uh once again, odd man out, and uh, Greg Dukery uh, just uh, didn't make the cut, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, we got it's the annual fan uh, bus trip to Ottawa this weekend. Uh, travel over to the nation's capital to play the four and three Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Ottawa's going to be celebrating their was it their fiftieth anniversary for their sixty eight team, nineteen sixty eight Grey Cup team. Mm-hmm. Um, what? <laughs> we don't know who's going to be who's going to be where. Obviously, we think Johnny Menza will be the one who's going to be starting. Um, there's going to be a change in backup, I'm sure. I, I would imagine that Drew Willis, Drew Willie, will be number two, 
we just need to see where everybody else is going to be placed because Pipkin just came back, and I, I don't see him. You know, I, I, he's going to be the same, basically the same situation the Manziel is. Well, if I were to venture against, I think it's going to be Austin Apodaca that's going to be the backup really? uh, at this point. Well, again, it's just I, I just don't know how healthy, how, how well Drew Lee's hand is. So, I mean, I see him as maybe the third string, and, but Apodaca and Pipkin right now are pretty much the only healthy quarterbacks. So, I mean, I guess I guess we'll see how the rest of practice, the rest of the week of practice goes. But uh, if it were me, I probably would go with Mansell, Apodaca, and Pipkin. Quite frankly, okay. And again, that 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 really does depend on Drew Willie's hand. If it's that's true, healed enough. Uh, man, if 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 Brady can come back for the how he did with his gash in the playoffs, mind you, it may have been a different type of gash for for Willie. And let's let's not even compare drew willie to tom no Brady. but I, i'm so talking unfair. i'm talking about healing ability i'm talking about healing. I, I, you know that i i, I get what you're saying but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm talking about overall talent right and... right <laughs> now five i'm trying to remember the last time i saw this cliff and since i've been watching this but five dimes currently has the ottawa red blacks favorite by 14 and a half points that sounds about right and the over under 49 and a half 14 and a half can you blame them uh I mean, and the funny thing is, Ottawa typically doesn't play the greatest at TD Place, but... Yeah, they're coming off of a, a stunner themselves. Speaking of games, you know, a 24-point tw- a lead for the Argos, and they come back on the last play of the game to beat the Red Blacks. You know, we were thinking, we were going into the game thinking, you know what, if, 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 if they can do it, so can us. We were wrong, very wrong. Um, well, well, we didn't have Mc, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson in the lineup, unfortunately. I know. Uh, man, I, I don't know. It's uh, I, 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 I wish these guys the best. I, I, they need to get another win. I mean, think about it, dude. They're, they're not that. If they would have won last week, they would have been tied for second. Second. It's true. I, but again, this this organization, like, it's just the bad decision after bad decision. And I mean, it all goes back, like. For, a couple more things fell Vernon Adams' way, and Montreal was able to get the win against Edmonton. That would have changed momentum big time because then you, Hamilton would have to pre- would have to prepare for Johnny Manziel. They'd be preparing for Vernon Adams and preparing I know, for I know uh, like everything. It's it's just been a domino effect the past few weeks. In fact, this, this whole season really. I mean, this, so many things are just falling into place and not in a good way. And that's that's the unfortunate part. And now this is where we're at. Is we're going to Ottawa. And despite the fact that they haven't always played their best football at TD Place, I mean this 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 has the makings of a complete blowout yet again, because I at this point now I just have little to no faith in our coaching staff being able to get these guys ready for game day. I mean, like they, like I said, just just poor decision making after poor decision making. Dude, I am so hoping. So I, you know, I'm still I'm praying. I'm so hoping for a. Uh, for a game that that was similar to the one back in 2016, where nobody expected the Alouettes to win, and they blow out the they blew out the Red Blacks by by almost 30 points. I'm so hoping, but <laughs> I mean that would be awesome. That would be incredible, and I, I that would definitely be a real shot in the the arm for the confidence of Johnny Mansell if he can go in there and shred the the first place team. I mean, the Mike. positive is that they've split. They've split the six games that they've ever played over over in Ottawa since the Red Blacks have been back. And that, that's a positive. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Montreal does know how to win at TD Place, but hasn't done it in a while. And, I mean, again, 
I hate to say it. I mean, I'm, I always well, try to be positive. Yeah, yeah, but... haven't, haven't won there in two years. So, or is it? No, that was that was yeah, that was actually that was two was that 2017 or the 2016? That's 2016. Yes, 2016. So, just we can only as I said we can only hope for the best. I mean, the Owls overall have lost the last five to Ottawa, and they mm-hmm. have lost the last nine out of ten to Ottawa. <laughs> Like I said, it doesn't bode well. It, it really doesn't. But, I mean, miracles happen every day. Stranger things have happened, especially in the Canadian Football League. But, I mean, just realistically, I, I look at what's happening. And just with everything that's in front of me, I don't see anything but a blowout win for the, the Red Blacks. And I'm sure that'll that'll make them feel better because they're, they're going to be coming in this game pissed off. that they, they choked. They essentially choked in Toronto. They did. Against the Argos, uh, they the Al- the they were very they were very lucky to get away with a win in Hamilton two weeks before. I mean, like they they've been playing, they have not been playing nearly close to their potential. No, and to them, I think they need this game so bad that they can taste it. And I think they want to get out a lot of frustration and a lot of anger. And who better than do that against the league's punching bag? I I, I could definitely see I could definitely see this being one of the uglier games this season. And that's really saying a lot right wow. now. Wow. Are you kidding me? I was about to say, what planet have you been living on? <laughs> Man, when we're this many games in the season and the Owls have only scored just over 100 points. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can only wish the Owls the best. That, that's that's all that we can really do. Uh, they got, you know, they got, they got Edmonton coming up afterwards and then Toronto at home. The Owls need to win one of these two games versus the Eastern Division. They have to. And if they can pull this off on the road, even if it's ugly, you know, look, try to look at what Toronto did, you know? Oh, I agree. Listen, I, potential is there. And again, if, if Johnny Manziel is this really outstanding quarterback that everybody makes him out to be, maybe this is what he needs too. But again, I, I, I we cannot overlook the fact that he is really not – had a chance to really absorb a whole lot of things, and he—I'll uh, give him credit. Like he's—he's he's owned up to the fact that I wasn't ready. I—I I made a lot of mistakes. I was trying too hard to make things happen, and it blew up in my face. I know I have to be better. So I mean, I'll, I'll give him full marks for that. I, I definitely think he'll come into this game as prepared as possible. I have to believe he's going to have to do that because, at, well, let's not forget, he is trying desperately to get back to the NFL. You're not going to get back to the NFL if you keep turning in these stinky performances like you did last Friday. And again, I don't blame him 100% for that. He's got to shoulder some of that, but not 100% of it. But now, I think going forward, he realizes he's going to have to really, truly step his game up. He's really got to be prepared for everything. And he's got to come and bring everything he's got for this game on Saturday. So I sincerely hope for his sake that he does because, uh, yeah, you're right. This, this Alouette's team desperately needs something, anything to get going, uh, another blowout loss, and then they go into Edmonton, which they've been horrible. Ooh. You know, as I said, uh, hope springs eternal. <laughs> something's got to give. Hope, and hope springs. <laughs> I don't know. I said something's like I said something's got to give with this team, and they got to get it figured out. That's all there is to it. I mean, there's there's still some talent on this team. People are are saying this is like these receivers are garbage and. Quarterback situation's a mess, and the offensive line is terrible, and you know any number of things. Yeah, is this a good team? 
overall, no, it is not. But there are some good parts to this team. There are some good pieces here that, if just given the chance, can make stuff happen. I mean, hell, why don't you just hand the ball off to Tyrell Sutton? Like, I, I agree. A hundred times. That, that, that was one of the points that was made recently, too, is that they're getting... They they have as I said you haven't listened to the to the Nick Lewis interview that was on TSN six ninety go listen to it he makes a lot of great points and I agreed with a hell of a lot of them because the Owls have the tools they're just not being used properly That's and, it. and yeah. we're hoping with the game plan that they have coming up this week if Johnny has has access to the entire game playbook even better even better so we'll see and that's it I I, I think you got to give this this guy an opportunity to to grow and fine he's he's going to make mistakes there's there's no question about that but we did see like as i said we saw those flashes of brilliance throughout the game last week it's just a matter of how do we just get more of that and how do we just turn that into being flashes into something actually sustainable i mean yeah. he did actually have a i felt a really good connection with gino lewis yes oh yeah so i really hope they they, they focus a little bit more on that try to get him open because i mean if if he and bj cunningham can get downfield and make plays for manzel uh, I know that um, I'm sure Ottawa's defender is going to be trying to pay extra attention to guys like uh, Ernest Jackson and Cunningham and Lewis, but uh, just open things up. I, I, you you got to. I mean, at this point, things really, truly can't get worse. It almost sounds like a challenge, but <laughs> it can. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping it's something. It's 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 for motivation. It's for motivation. So. Uh, and I'm. This this offensive line has to come together. It really does. I mean, I, I, no more excuses. I know there's a lot of injuries. I know there's a lot of rookies on this line. For whatever reason, it's not gelling. But you've got to, you've got to give Manzel a chance. You've got to give him a chance to make something happen. If, if he goes and has a complete brain fart, okay, that's not on you guys. But I mean, if 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 you're letting your quarterback get thrown to the ground and ragdolled, that's not going to help anybody. So, I mean, this offensive line really has to gel and and fast. We can only hope, and that, that's that's what we're looking forward to. The game's on Saturday. Cliff, I know you will be there. I said I hope everybody with the Alouettes fan bus ha- has a reason to be happy and a reason to say that they that they paid the money for, for a good cause. Uh, as I said, fingers crossed, and that, that's all that we can hope for. So uh, we will be back next week obviously talking about what happened with the Alouettes and we're hoping for some more positive news, obviously. So Cliff, I will talk to you soon, sir. And, uh, uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. So for everybody here at Alouettes flight deck for Cliffy D I'm Tim Capper. We're on final approach. Take Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.